help support the Jiminy Cricket podcast and the Disney Chris website by becoming a Patreon subscriber. By joining our illustrious roster of supporters, you will receive exclusive rewards every month, including audio content, Disney video commentaries, and an exclusive Patreon subscribers-only podcast called Down the Rabbit Hole. Be sure to check out our new donation levels and special rewards at www.patreon.com slash DisneyChris. Jiminy Crickets! Jiminy Cricket is the name I'm a happy-go-lucky fellow Always getting in wrong For singing my song A merry old soul am I Jiminy Cricket is the name I'll be hanging around this evening I'll be tipping my hat And telling you that Jiminy Cricket is the name Hello, Cricketeers, and welcome to episode number 148 of the Jiminy Crickets podcast. And I'm here with Brian. Hello, Brian. Hey, Chris. It's good to be here. And Brian is literally here because Brian is with me in the same recording studio, and we are together in Rhode Island recording this episode. So if things sound a little different, it's because we're using one microphone. And so we might be a little more echoey than normal, but that's fine because you're going to get like a real uh, in-person style podcast from the two of us. And for this special episode, we're going to take a guided tour, Jiminy Cricket style, of Tokyo Disney Sea, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary. But before we get to that, we have a very special announcement. Jiminy Crickets Podcast proudly endorses Concierge Vacation Planners, a Disney-authorized specialty vacation planning service. Concierge doesn't just book your trip, they walk you through the entire process, helping you plan out every detail, one-on-one, to make the very most out of your vacation while saving you both time and money. And the best part is, they charge nothing for their services. You will get the exact same pricing as if you booked your vacation directly through Disney. But in using Concierge's expertise, you've got the added bonus of having your very own personal Disney Guru Planner by your side. Both Ruthie and I are also satisfied customers, and we just can't recommend them enough. Visit their website at www.concierge.com. That's www.concierz.com, as in mouse ears. So when you book your next Disney vacation, be it Walt Disney World, Disneyland, the Disney Cruise Line, or many of the other Disney destinations available worldwide, contact Concierge Vacation Planners, and be sure to tell them Disney Chris sent you.
Like I said, Tokyo Disney Sea will be celebrating its 20th anniversary this year, and many people regard this park, which is the second gated park at Tokyo Disneyland, as the best theme park in the world as far as theming, attractions, the cast members, the food, everything put together. It makes for the best experience of any theme park in the world. And that's not my opinion, because I've never been there. That's the opinion of, you know, most people who have experienced Disney Sea. And why it's special that Brian will be here is because he has been to Tokyo Disney Sea. So he can provide a different perspective than I can. Ruthie, unfortunately, is not going to be with us this episode, but she will be returning once again for our next episode in January of 2022. But for today, I'm going to give away the reins to Brian so he can go through a little bit of the background and the history behind this park. And after that, we'll take a guided tour and take you through all the different attractions and I'll play different music from the different areas throughout the park. And so you can get a You Are There experience. So take it away, Brian. Okay, thanks, Chris. 
Well, I'm really excited to talk about Tokyo Disney Sea with you guys today. Uh, like Chris said, I have been to the park. Uh, I've made three trips, so uh, I my wife is from Japan, and so every couple of years when we travel back home to see her family, I have to kind of pull her leg a little bit, <laughs> try to convince her to make the trip up to Tokyo because she lives in Kobe, the Osaka area where Universal Studio Japan is. Uh, but we do take the Shinkansen up to uh, Tokyo and experience the park up there. And so I'm really excited to share uh, some details of our three different visits to Disney Sea. the last being in 2017. So even though we haven't, I haven't been there for four years, We'll kind of add in some of the new stuff that's that's uh, appeared since my last visit. But let's kind of get uh, talking about how Tokyo Disney Sea came to be. So uh, Disneyland, the Tokyo Disneyland Resort, was debuted in 1983. And if you guys haven't listened to Ruthie and Chris's episode of Tokyo Disneyland, go back uh, after this is over and go back and listen to that one because it's really well done. They go through the whole park, kind of like what we're going to do today. So Tokyo Disneyland was built in 1983, built on reclaimed land out in Tokyo Bay. And by the year 2000, so in 17 years, they reached 250 million guests. So to put that into perspective, Disneyland's first 17 years, they had only reached 115 million. So Tokyo Disneyland was wildly popular and so it necessitated a sequel to Tokyo Disneyland and the Oriental Land Company had decided uh, they're the actual owners yeah. of they le Disney leases out their name and their uh, training and you know imagineering and everything and mm -hmm. they're just a co owner of the actual park. Exactly. So they decided it was time for another park to handle all the, the guest demand they were experiencing. But what kind of park would they put? They didn't want to do any previous editions of parks that, that, that were existing at that time. Something like Epcot or Animal Kingdom or, Holly, or even Hollywood Studios. And they didn't want another Magic Kingdom park, obviously. They had it. They wanted something original. Something kind of like Disneyland in terms of equally compelling stories and a heightened sophistication that would captivate an even broader audience than just the Japanese guests that were visiting. So given the location of the resort, which is situated on Tokyo Bay, and the fact that Tokyo had a Disneyland, it was kind of a natural thing to build a Disney sea. So they would have the land and sea formats out there. So that's what they decided to do. And what they did was they took the plans of Port Disney. And they kind of dusted off that idea that that Michael Eisner had back in when was that the the 90s? The 90s. Yeah, they were going to Long Beach near the yeah, Queen Mary. Exactly. They were going to kind of transform that whole area and make an additional park. Now that presented a bunch of challenges, mm -hmm. environmental challenges, just transportation and logistical challenges because of the distance between Long Beach and Anaheim. So right. that really didn't work out 
for uh, for Disneyland in Anaheim. So fortunately for us, uh, the Oriental Land Company took those plans and decided to uh, build this park. Interestingly enough, on a landfill, which is one of the reasons why they didn't build it in Long Beach, because that was one of the thing the, right. things the environmentalists decided, hey, we're not going to build a landfill out in Long Beach and put, put a yeah. land park on top of it. But that's exactly what they did in Tokyo. Right. Yeah. And so Tokyo Disney Sea is dedicated to storytelling and just sheer originality. And that's something that's prevalent in bounds <laughs> when you walk around the park, something that Chris and I will. And there's very little, there is some, but lesser so. IP, mm -hmm. uh, you know, specific. There's a lot of original things in the park. Yeah. It's not completely unforeign. You know, when you walk in, you'll, you'll, you'll be you'll be in that familiar Disney environment, but the details and the immersiveness, you know, which you'll have, but it's just a different kind of of feeling. But we'll 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 talk about it later. So the inspiration for this park would be the myths and legends of the sea, and the park would contain seven ports. And these seven ports would be connected by waterways with boats providing transportation between them. In addition, there's elevated railways, which would also transport guests and numerous bridges to accommodate all the foot traffic because these parks get crowded. <laughs> And so it's interesting. So when you're touring the park, it seems like more than half the time you're either walking over water or almost always have the view of water. You're always on one side of you is always on some sort of a lake or water yeah. area. Yeah. Which makes sense because it's right. Disney Sea. And even one part of the park is right on the water. Yeah, like literally it, it is. So yeah. if you look beyond, you see the ocean like is the background to the park. Yep. One of the neat aspects of the American waterfront, which we'll talk about, is the SS Columbia steamship, yes. which and looks like it's docked in a port, yeah. and your view beyond the ship is the, ocean. the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> and the thing is, originally, they were going to have the real Queen Mary be a part of this idea. So they sort of came back to that idea and built an all-new sort of ocean liner inspired by the Queen Mary for this. Awesome, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so they broke ground on October 22nd, 1998. And Disney opened on September 4th, 2001. So just a little less than three years they were done, which yeah. is just boggles my mind. Well, a lot of the planning was already done when it went. Exactly. Yeah, so not a lot of Imagineering pre-work right. had to be done. Right. Um, of course, Disneyland itself was built in 11 months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when you think about the Japanese work ethic and the amount of detail yeah. and the technological advancements that were that Disney that could could handle for 2001, just a little over three years is uh, pretty amazing and a, yeah. a testament to how important it was for the Oriental, Oriental Land Company to open this park yeah. for their guests and for those that worked on the park and, and 
their just their dedication to excellence. Another inspiration. I don't know if you were going to hit on this. And if Maybe. I, if you were, interrupt me and take over. Okay. But Tony Baxter's ideas for Discovery Bay in Disneyland were taken and reworked for this park yeah. as well. Yeah, also exactly. reworked for Disneyland Paris's Discovery Port Discovery, or no, in, it's called Discovery Land in in Paris, but here it's called Dis Port Discovery. Discovery. Mm -hmm. And not only Port Discovery, but also other areas which we'll talk about were definitely inspired by the Jules Verne sort of mm -hmm. uh, steampunk aesthetic that had originally been thought of for Discovery Bay, which never happened in California. Yeah, great points. We'll talk a lot about Mysterious Island later. That's yeah, that's a big part of that. Mm -hmm. So the seven ports that uh, make up Tokyo Disney Sea would be inspired by urban waterfronts around the world with the Central Park icon being an island volcano by the name of Mount Prometheus. Mm -hmm. the, I'm going to briefly go through the seven ports so you, you'll, you know what they are. So when we get to them, you won't be surprised. <laughs> okay. And so the first port, the Mediterranean, uh, what's it called? The Mediterranean Harbor? I believe so, yes. Would celebrate the age of exploration and guests enter this port after passing underneath an in-park hotel called the Maricosta. And this is all Italian Venice. Yes, thing. very, very Italian. Yes. So Maricosta is translated as view of the coast. And oh, okay. the hotel itself offers views of the entire park. And this hotel is right at the entrance to the park. Yeah. Just like the Disneyland Hotel in Paris, it's the same idea. You yeah. actually walk under the hotel to get into the park. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit. Maybe we'll talk about that first. Huh? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to our, that. During our, our, our virtual visit, Chris and I have, have uh, got rooms at the Miracosta, which yes. cost uh, which two months bed. rent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Bayview <laughs> penthouse. Exactly. So... You know, we're going to wake up refreshed from sleeping in these uh, luxurious uh, Japanese beds, which I heard were pretty firm. They like firm mattresses. And also these luxury toilets with <laughs> with all sorts of options. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can launch rockets from them. Yes. <laughs> so that's the Mediterranean Harbor. Uh, the American waterfront celebrates the turn of the century, 19th, 20th century, that turn of the century. <laughs> and there's actually kind of two sub-sections of the yeah, right. American waterfront. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is kind of like a throwback to New York City, um, that old late 20th century, yes. or late 19th century, early 20th century uh, style architecture. I'd say like early 1920s. Yeah, right in there. Yeah, back when uh, steamship travel was was right. uh, huge. And yeah, lots of brick buildings. Yes, not these uh, glass, super shiny skyscrapers. No, that are it was adorned the bygone era. <laughs> so, uh, and then uh, one of the sublands Chris referred to is Cape Cod. There's a little right. shout out to the New England uh, coast there. Okay. 
which we're I not, just got done driving around. We're not far from Cape Cod. <laughs> yeah. You can get there in about an hour from here. Yeah. I saw the signs on the freeway as I was yes. driving to Providence today. So uh, let's let's see where are we at here. We got uh, Port Discovery. Yeah, after you pass through Cape Cod, you come into Port Discovery, which gives a glimpse of the future where science and nature are out of balance. It's kind of like a scientific, like research center of the of the science fiction future. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Which is kind of a uh, interesting that they took the Storm Rider attraction. They 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 redid that one. Right. Aimed it to finding, finding Nemo, Nemo. And friends, but the original attraction was more along the lines of what Chris talked yeah, about. Yeah, fit more into that theme. Very yeah. sea exploration, and so you kind of lose that with the Nemo. It's ride. more cutie, and yep, exactly. Yeah. You can think of it as like what Epcot used to be, and what compared it is to now. what it is now. Exactly. <laughs> so, That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. So the next land that we. Uh, encounter is Lost River Delta, which celebrates like the 1930s Central America exploration. Yes. And uh, there's and also the like jungles. Some, yeah. And there's also like a little bit of a Caribbean feel, like Caribbean shore. like the Aztec ruins. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then we'll make our way over to the Arabian coast, which takes guests to, really transports guests. To France. <laughs> yeah. Wee <laughs> wee. Oui, oui. Ooh la la. <laughs> Except for <laughs> you run into all that and then Abu. Yes. And Aladdin yeah. and Abu. So you get the 1001 <laughs> Arabian Nights <laughs> So just a totally immersive, wonderfully detailed land. Sort of like the adventure land in. Uh, Disneyland Paris, the same theme yeah, exactly. on steroids. Right. Coupled with maybe a splash of Moroccan Morocco right. Pavilion. Sort of yeah. just a conglomerate of all the different Middle Eastern seaports from 150 years ago. So then we'll venture our way through to Mermaid Lagoon, which celebrates the mysterious fathoms below. That's uh, an indoor Mostly uh, indoor, yeah, right? Mostly indoor. Yeah, you approach it from outside. Big, big indoor space. Yeah. And we'll talk a lot about that. That's nice for Tokyo because the weather can be inclement in that part of exactly. the world. Exactly, and it's nice for kids because there's a lot of kids. A lot kids. of kids stuff in there. Yeah. Then we can, uh, you know, resurface and uh, uh. <laughs> and head into Mysterious Island, which. I'll, I'll just tell you right now, this is my favorite land. I mean, I think most people would consider yeah. it. It's the most elaborately themed. Yeah, it's just amazing. It's sort of themed after uh, the... Uh, what's the name of the island in 20,000 Leagues? Volcania. Volcania. Mm -hmm. And it's got two attractions that are Jules Verne, taken from classic Jules Verne books. And... Um, it's just got a very, very uh, steampunk yeah. aesthetic. It's really, it's really fascinating. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to talk more about and that. Then, right. And then, like I said, the the center part, like the park icon, Mount Prometheus, and uh, it's such an ominous uh, structure that yeah. you can see it pretty much anywhere. In the it's kind of like it serves as the Matterhorn. 
mm-hmm. of or the Cinderella Castle of the Magic Kingdom. Exactly. It's kind of, you can it sort of orients you. The park is sort of not the hub and spokes pattern of the Magic Kingdom, so it's helpful to have that as a way to help orient right. yourself because mm-hmm. it's right in the center of the park. Yeah, good point. So the park opened on September 4th, 2001 and was dedicated by our good friend, Michael Eisner. And I'll just kind of quote his uh, part of his opening day speech. He says, Welcome one and all to a world where imagination and adventure set sail. Tokyo Disney Sea is dedicated to the spirit of exploration that lives in each of us. Here we chart a course for adventure, romance, discovery, and fun, and journey to exotic and fanciful ports of all. May Tokyo Disney Sea inspire the hearts and minds of all of us who share the water planet Earth. So the park, it features a whopping 23 never-before-seen or experienced attractions by uh, United States visitors. Right. Uh, and the addition of Tokyo Disney Sea also transformed Tokyo Disneyland into the Tokyo Disney Resort, adding additional resort hotels, Ixbiari, their downtown uh, Disney or Disney Springs equivalent, and a resort monorail that connected all of them. Right, their monorails are, you have to pay to use them. It's not expensive. No. But I think it's you, like 1,200 yen for the yeah, length of stay. Which, which is, is like 12, 10 bucks. 12 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, the thing is, you kind of have to use the monorails to get from Magic Kingdom to uh, Disney Sea because they're faced, the entrances are facing yeah. opposite directions right. and you'd have to, it's a long walk. Yeah, they do share a fence line, but that's but, like their yeah, butts touch. That's, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, and the monorail, I mean, who wouldn't want to spend $10 The monorails are really different there, too, because they they have Mickey Mouse-shaped windows, which mm-hmm. is kind of fun. And you could probably eat off the floor in there. And the, the hand, you know, the, how they have those handles in subways? They don't have mm-hmm. them in the state monorails, but in that monorail, they have those yeah, subway like a, handles, and they're grab, shaped right. like Mickey Mouse also. Which is yeah, which, which is what Japanese would expect in a right. in a in a subway or monorail because that's right. what they experience in their everyday traveling. And that's a recent addition. I don't think they added the monorails until they added Disney Sea. Until Disney Sea came around. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So Disney Sea was the fastest theme park in the world to reach the milestone of 10 million guests, wow. having done so in only 307 days. Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. Well, that's what happens when you build a theme park right in the middle of like one of the biggest metropolitan areas right, in the world. In whole world. <laughs> it's like if they built a Disney park in downtown LA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the previous record holder, you know what that was? Um, was it uh, Disney World's Magic Kingdom? Nope. It was some place a little closer to Disney Sea. <laughs> oh, did Tokyo Disneyland Park? You're getting closer. Universal Studios. Oh, Japan. okay. They took 338 days. Oh. And I, I'll bet you when they open up their Nintendo, well, it's already open, huh? The, the Nintendo World. I'm not sure. I don't really follow. Yeah. It's open. They probably hit 10 million in a week. I do know <laughs> they plan to add that to um, the one in Florida as well. Yeah. As a future yeah, edition. 
So it costs just over four billion U.S. dollars to, uh, which is probably four hundred billion yen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just add two zeros. Right. Yep. That's the most expensive theme park ever built, and it shows. It totally shows. Yeah. So, uh, are you ready to check in? Yes, and the, when we're Costa? going to first sort of give you some of the amenities and things connected to the Miracosta, which is a Mediterranean slash Venice, Italy themed high rise hotel that is at the main entrance to Tokyo Disney Sea. So it sort of serves as the railroad station type building that you see as you're approaching the entrance to the park. So it may be a high-rise hotel, but it doesn't look like a traditional high-rise hotel. It's it's fully themed and has beautiful architecture and towers and all the rooms, even the the lower scale rooms are five-star quality rooms with all the amenities and I actually watched a video today giving a full tour of of one of the, you know, one of the middle scale rooms. And I mean, they even give you like a, like a souvenir shower cap. I mean, <laughs> yeah, do you see the, the little amenity tins? Yes, like they have little tins and all sorts mm -hmm. of special activities. Yeah, and you hide those in your luggage every morning. And they'll give you a new one. Exactly. It's the, the bottled water amazing. is free. Yep. And the slippers and the bathrobes. <laughs> So let me just like, okay, we're going to talk a lot about um, the level of service that you experience, not only at this hotel, but at the park. The parks. It's it's way beyond the American yeah. experience. And Chris and Ruthie talked a lot about this in the Tokyo Disneyland episode about service just being an innate part of Japanese culture. Yes. I've been to Japan several times. And I'll tell you, whenever I go into any store, like one time I went to go buy some shoes and there were literally four employees of this department store helping me pick out the shoes, try on the <laughs> yeah, shoes, one, one person them. sizing my foot. Yes, yeah. <laughs> a person polishing my shoes. Like that scene from Back to the Future where they pull into the gas station and 20 people <laughs> run out. Exactly. <laughs> that has not died in Japan. Yeah. So I, I, I did a lot of research for this episode, and one site that I came across was TDR Explorer, mm -hmm. uh, a guy by the name of Chris. And that's the video. He, yeah. that, it was his video. Oh, was it? Okay. Of the room. Yeah. yeah. So, just for, ex for, so you understand the level of service. Oh, okay. yeah. So, Chris walks into this hotel. He relates this story on his website, TDR Explorer. <laughs> and I thought uh, you meant me for a minute. Not, not, not. <laughs> So, well, I mean, if you walked into this hotel pass in out. a rainstorm, right, and <laughs> a cast member noticed that his shoes were soaking wet, right, and the cast member asked, Did you, do you want us to bring a shoe warmer to your room? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, and he's just, like, stunned at the question, like, and he said, uh, yeah, sure, that would be fantastic. <laughs> um, can you imagine walking into a Disney World hotel? Never. And have being soaking wet, like your shoes, like you're just sloshing they'd around. They'd be happy to sell you an umbrella. Yeah, they'd be happy show. to sell you a new pair of shoes. Yeah. But a shoe warmer? <laughs> no. So, Miracosta is just 
you, you walk in there, and I've never stayed there Technically, I don't think it is considered five-star because it's too touristy. You know, yeah. they can't. But, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's five-star level service. Mm-hmm. It's not cheap to stay there either, but it's cheaper than the equivalent would be in the United States. Right. In fact, I know admission is a lot less if you convert it to U.S. dollars. It's only about 65 or $70 for a one-day admission, which is at least $30 less than what they mm-hmm. charge for Disneyland. Yeah. Once and you spend the big bucks to get to Tokyo, yes, you'll, you'll find that the prices are... Are very reasonable. And even... Miracosta, like, okay, I stayed at the Grand Californian a few months ago, and right. I think it was $800 a night for, yes. for absolutely zero amenities and no yes, turn-down just service, for the, just to no the, daily servicing. No shoe warmers. <laughs> no shoe warmers. <laughs> and the, on the flip side, the Miracosta, I, think I looked at some rates, and they're about six, $700 a night. Yeah, but so you get, get more service at a cheaper price. Exactly. And I'd, I'd argue it's an even nicer hotel, just the theming oh. and everything. Yeah, I'd, I'd be suffering from pixie dust overload if I stayed there. Yes, ever. absolutely. So the, the hotel, like Chris said, is pretty lavishly appointed in terms of details, but there's a lot of fun Disney touches everywhere you go. Yes, it's it's got all that you know Mediterranean, Italio theming, but it's got a little subtle, well integrated Disney touches throughout. And if you're a fan of like cute Mickey and Minis. Yes. Like there's this one picture. The Japanese people love their cute stuff. So there's plenty of that. There's a little picture of Mickey and Minnie together in a flying machine on one of the murals. (laughs) Yes. uh, Like Goofy, Donald and and Mickey like charting the course through the various lands of, of, of Disney Sea. Yes. So, the wonderful thing about this, and we've said it already, is that it's inside Disney Sea itself. So once you're ready to go, you basically like walk you're out right of your there. room. You're right there. You're at the steps, entrance. Yeah, yes. You're in the Mediterranean Harbor. So I guess that's where and we'll start can, our tour. You can see from many of the rooms. You can at least half the rooms that you know you get an in-park view, and about half of those you get a bayside view. You can actually look into the park from your room. They even give you a schedule of when they're doing... Because they do the rehearsals for their live outdoor shows in the early mornings. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they give you a schedule so that if you want to watch the rehearsals from your hotel room, you can. Hey, but before, I, uh, before we go, i got to hit the bathroom real quick. Okay. <laughs> oh, you were so talking I'm, about I'm looking that. at a picture... Yeah, they're pretty, uh, yeah. they're pretty Buck Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be and good if you to have, like, Google Translate on your They phone, don't so have yeah. English on them, so <laughs> you kind of need to know what you're doing. Or you might hit a button and the wrong thing will get squirted out yeah. of you. <laughs> I know there is a button on there, and I've done this before, where if you press it, it, like, will, will dial, like, uh, an emergency number. And oh no! Somebody will come and you know, somebody will call and ask if everything is okay. So, Yikes! Don't want to yeah. push that button by mistake. I'm no, I'm it. just sitting here. Just sitting here. <laughs> <laughs>
part of awesome wonders On a breeze that sets your heart and spirit free There's this big sort of icon of a big globe waterfall in front of the hotel on the outside. And then there's this big portico underneath the hotel that you walk under. And that's the main entrance into the park. Oh, you're talking about the aquasphere. And the yes. Big giant globe. That's, yes, yeah. yes. And when you enter in the park, you're in this little piazza or plaza. Mm-hmm. That's surrounded by all the many different, you know, parts of... And the Hotel Maricosta is sort of designed to look like multiple buildings. Instead of just one building, it looks like groups of buildings sort of touching each other. To right. give it a more authentic old world look. And as you walk through, there is, I believe, one gift shop in that portico as you're walking through into the plaza and it's called Mickey Angelo Gifts. So it's just the basic things that you might need when you first enter the park like suntan lotion or whatnot. And there are three restaurants inside the um, hotel. Oceano, Silk Road Garden, and Bella Vista Lounge. The Bella Vista Lounge, I believe, has an outdoor eating part of it. And it has Italian 
food. The Silk Road Garden is Cantonese or Chinese food. Mm -hmm. And the Oceano is sort of Mediterranean-inspired, you know, seafood yeah. type. And that's that's the restaurant that has like these, this gorgeous like like room-length window. Yes. That you can like sit out if you can get a table by the window. It's you can see the entire resort and park. Yeah, the nice window view. the windows face out onto the harbor. Yeah, it's it's a good place. I read. For you to uh, propose to your special someone. Ah, <laughs> very romantic. This whole park is really romantic. It is. So when you have passed through the hotel, that's when you enter what is called Mediterranean Harbor. This is Disney's description. Enjoy the ambiance of a romantic Southern European port town with lots of shops and restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> And they but aren't kidding. <laughs> there are some attractions, although this is not really the attraction-heavy part of the park. There are some nice attractions here. One of them, the first one, is a Disney Sea Transit steamer line. And what this is, it's sort of like the friendships at Epcot. Right. And it sort of takes you along the various waterways to the different... It, I think it has multiple stops that you can get yep. on and off. You, you can stop in uh, American Waterfront. Well, right. Really near Cape Cod. You can stop in Lost River Delta. So it sort of gives you a grand circle tour of the park, and you can get on and off at different... So it's not really a themed ride, like a dark ride, but it's definitely beautiful views. But it's like... It would be like uh, the Disneyland Railroad, where you can kind of yes. get your bearings and see the... It sort of serves the same function. Exactly. Now, one thing that I love is they have gondolas. And these are free-floating, and they are actually paddled by a cast member dressed as a Venetian gondola Gondolier. rower. Gondolier. <laughs> and uh, this is something I always felt they should have put in Epcot. Yeah, right. In, in, in they and they the originally, <laughs> originally they had planned on it, but then because things sort of went way over budget and the time constraints, they never ended up putting it in. But I'm glad they eventually came back to the idea and did put it in here. So it's just a boat ride in and around all the various towers and whatnot of the Hotel Miracosta. And it's got bridges, and it gives you the feeling that you're in Venice. That would be a nice place to propose, too, if you yeah. could get a boat with just they the They to you. They and do. I embarrassed my family on this. <laughs> oh, so la mia. Yeah, I was singing, and I was yelling, Buona sera to people walking by on the bridges. It was, but yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it completes that environment. It's just... Think of the Venice Hotel in Las Vegas. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, yes. That's kind of like, then you can kind of picture it. Like. So they recently added a new little offshoot annex area to the um, Mediterranean Harbor. Yeah, the Soren uh, Fantastic Fight. Yeah, now this is, we watched a video of it, both of us, and it's pretty much the identical film to soaring around the world once you get on the attraction. Mm -hmm. But the theming of the 
queue and the building it's in is all sort of an Italian Renaissance theme. And it's sort of paying homage to, you know, famous uh, people who sort of visioned flight before it was actually, you know, before they really could do it technologically. So like Leonardo da Vinci and people like that. It has a really neat pre-show where they have this painting that sort of comes to life and yeah. bleeds out over it's, the... Uh, it's Camellia Falco, one yes. member of the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. So it's right. kind of like this is her her uh, this is her, her attraction and yeah. what she's known for in the sea world. We'll talk a little bit more about sea uh, later on, but that really deserves its own podcast. You can really go down a rabbit hole with, yeah. with SEA. But yeah, that that was pretty awesome, huh? <laughs> she was yeah, holding this like really parrot impressive. or this bird. Yeah, and like, the shadows like bled out from the painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
So there's a fortress exploration. So I thought that was part of another area, but I guess it's considered part of this yeah. area. Yeah, I can talk a little about that place. Okay. Uh, fortress Explorations is on the harbor. It's really close to the entrance to Mysterious Island. It's actually on the opposite it's side. It's on the opposite yeah. side of the of the the waterway. Right. So, so that's why I thought it yeah. was part of. But it, I guess it is technically considered. When you're of, when you're when you enter the park, there's this huge lagoon where they do shows like Fantasmic, right. and they do seasonal shows. Right. Um, across the lagoon is Fortress Explorations, which really is just a celebration of of uh, Italian Renaissance uh, inventors and their creations. Like Galileo. it looks kind of like an observatory mm -hmm. from the outside. Yeah, and this is just an amazing place. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's, it's not a walkthrough. It's a walkthrough kind of uh, museum exhibit, like a yes. like a children's museum where you can like get hands on with things. There's like a camera camera obscura in there. There's a pendulum. Right. There's right. this really. That's why I was thinking of um, observatory because I know the Griffith Observatory has that same kind of a yeah, pendulum. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the same thing. There's this unbelievably just detailed and ornate model of the solar system which you can actually um, operate right with your hands and, and rotate things around and when you enter fortress explorations you get this map and it's kind of like your key to all of the exhibits and and as, they have them in english yep and as you complete each exhibit um you can check things off on your map and when you get done you can um you put it in this little uh, little machine thing, and it'll give like the guests like a little special prize for doing. Oh, that's so, nice. Yeah, and can, there's also a big like uh, wind jammer that you can climb on board, and it's part of the whole mm -hmm. thing. And also, you can climb to the tippy tippy top tower of the of the building that it's in and get like a really beautiful view. It's right in the middle of everything. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of like a, a sh well, there is a ship, which is kind of like going onto the Columbia sailing ship where you can yeah, board it. But it, it doesn't, doesn't move. move right. But you can go below decks and see how... Um, how see how our hardy... What does he say? The days of wooden ships and iron men. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Italian style. Right. <laughs> In the days of wooden ships. <laughs> and the iron men. And the iron men. Yeah. That's a spicy meatball. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can get at Magellan's. <laughs> yes. Now there are tons of shops and restaurants, as stated by the, the description, that there's tons of shops and restaurants all over this park. Part of the fun of the park is not just going on the attractions, but it's the journey from attraction to attraction, because this park is overloaded with live entertainment everywhere you go. I mean, just, you can't, every, every step of this journey is a, is a, there's no boredom in this park. And uh, so I'm just going to name off these shops. The names are pretty self-explanatory. One thing I might note is some of them 
kind of harken to some of what's on Main Street. This sort of area serves as the Main Street of this park, in a sense. Mm -hmm. But also, there's a lot of uh, sort of hints at Disney properties. For example, Figaro's Clothiers, because Pinocchio takes place in, in northern Italy. Yeah, and you can meet those characters. Yeah, the they have a lot of the characters from the um, Disney films that take place in Italy, because there are a few. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they have Valentina's Sweets, obviously that's a candy store. The Emporio, that's like <laughs> the Emporium. Galleria Disney. And uh, Photogratifica. That's <laughs> a camera store. <laughs> and uh, e Postino Stationario. <laughs> uh, Bella Mini Collections. Merchants of Venice Confections. So I guess they have more than one candy store. Well, a lot of these shops carry merchandise that the Japanese guests would, would buy, buy for their to take home. Friends and family. Right. And I, I buy a lot of them. They're like little cookie tins. Little cookie tins because it's yeah. sort of a Japanese tradition mm -hmm. when you travel to bring home a little souvenir for all your friends and family. Exactly. Venetian Carnival Market, Villa Donna Donaldo. I'm sure that's a Donald reference. Donald Duck. Yep. <laughs> um, Miranare. It's a wagon offering cold weather items. So if it rains, you can buy your rain gear. Remembranze. Piccolo Mercado. Yeah. Splendido. And Remembranze. <laughs> All Italian theme. So, restaurants. Yeah, restaurants. You want to go through some of these? Yes, I'll, I'll I tell do. you the ones I've eaten. Okay. I've probably been in all those shops. Um, yes. I know we bought, we purchased T-shirts and things. So. Of course. Yeah. So, the, there's Cafe Portofino, which is a kind of like a, a pasta, chicken, and a buffeteria style place. I've never eaten there, but it looks fun. Something. To do I think the Japanese time. are not really fans of the fast food experience, so they're more into buffeteria or sit-down yeah, type yeah. experience. The way most of their counter service restaurants work is that you you enter a line, you know, you get the tray, which are themed to each lane, yes. by the way. <laughs> I want to steal all of them. Yes. Uh, and then you just kind of go through and you pick things out, kind of like the French market, how that works. Right. To give you an idea of how, how you move through the restaurant. Or like the Plaza Inn. Yes, exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a the snack shop called Gondolier Snacks. I, I haven't tried any snacks in Mediterranean Harbor because the I, snack stands are sort of outdoor and they're right. they really theme the snacks too. Like to whatever part of the park you're in, they tend to really do theming with the snacks. So every snack stand will have, you know, specific food. Not like in Disneyland where they all have the same thing. Like they have the Mickey bar and the... Oh, no. These yeah. are themed snack stands and each one's different. Right. And each one has a line. 
I mean, they have stretching all the way to Terre Haute. Yeah, the lines are long, <laughs> and another popular thing is the popcorn. They have different yeah. flavored popcorns, and they give you these souvenir buckets. When the souvenir buckets come out, like all the Disney fans in Japan rush to the parks to buy all the new buckets, and the lines will be ridiculous. Like yeah. two hour line for popcorn. And the pass holders will go just for that. Just for that. Yeah. Right. And they'll probably get a Duffy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to Duffy when we talk to him. There's an area where Duffy yeah. is prominent. Yeah. So, uh,. Um, Zambini Brothers Ristorante, that's a pizza place that's kind of over near where the Soren uh, restaurant is. Cafe Portofino is kind of like right when you enter. So is Ristorante di Canaletto, which is a really kind of an upscale um, uh, posteria. How do you say? Pasta place. <laughs> place <laughs> is is that a word? Place, place where you get spaghetti. spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. But that's a table service restaurant and right. uh, Table service is uh, really nice in Japan. Uh, yeah, I love it. Um, well, it all falls back to that, yeah. you know, service with a smile yeah. type. Of. It's just, and it's it's not terribly difficult to get a reservation um, right. if you're a hotel guest. You Especially can because in there's a lot more sit-down places in the Japanese parks yeah. than in the American parks. Every time we, except for Magellan's, which I'll get to. Uh, we were able to get reservations day of, just like the old days where you walk in, right. you go directly to the restaurant, and uh, they'll give you, they'll like give a, you priority. a comeback time. Yeah, they call it priority seating. You'll see it abbreviated in, in your map. As a it basically works like the, the old fast pass works. Yep, exactly. So I've never eaten at uh, Ristorante di Canaletto, but we have been to Magellan's. And this is kind of like the signature. That's restaurant. the swanky place yeah. in Tokyo Disney Sea. This is kind of like the headquarters for the for SEA. Yeah. And you walk into this place. These the doors to this restaurant are just gigantic. Like I'm six foot three, and you would have to stack another person on top of me <laughs> to hit the top of this doorway. Wow. And you walk in. The lounge is on the main floor. So and they do like, serve alcohol yeah, in this part. They do. So there's a really nice bar lounge with all this great wooden. Really now I don't think you need a reservation place. for the lounge. No, if, you can go in if there's there's a limited capacity. You can order right? your kirin or your sapporo mm -hmm. beer and enjoy some time away from the kids. <laughs> yeah. And then you descend uh, a staircase uh, into the main dining room, which is like one level below and there's this huge globe in the middle oh, it's it, it spins Brass. around and it's like that old world style you know yeah. like when they were first when cartographers were first putting you know maps together yeah that Italian. it's that style it's that feel in there that old italian style yeah and all the days the tables of columbus gorgeous the, their table cause on each table, the cutlery, the plates are just—it's impeccable. They're probably specific plates to the restaurant. Yeah, and they're all—they all have the SEA logo on them. I right. tried to ask one of the cast members if I could grab Buy one, one. <laughs> but you can if you're looking for merchandise that has SEA on it. You're not going to find a whole lot, but in this restaurant, they will sell you a glass 
that has the SCA logo on it. And like really, a wine glass. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a champagne champagne glass. glass. It's, right. It's narrow at the bottom and it gets wider at the top. And there's yeah. this really cool picture of Mickey and Minnie on it in their their Renaissance gear. <laughs> but the restaurant is just wonderful. The service is top notch. The food it's it's a little pricey. I mean, it's probably like Blue Bayou pricing. Yeah, but it's definitely it's probably even nicer than Blue Bayou. Yeah, a lot nicer. And there's a secret room, so if you uh, ask if the cast famous. member, ask if to be seated in the cellar. Or if you're Gwen Stefani. <laughs> well, no, anybody can, and I've been in there, so. Well, I think, like, by default, yeah. a famous person would just probably get in that room. Yeah. So you walk down this little hallway, and it doesn't look like there's any rooms back there. But right. the cast member pressed this button, huh. and the door kind of slid open, and then you walk in, and it's like a wine cellar type room. Oh, that's it, nice. It's really nice. I think the main draw is eating in the main dining room, which is circular and you can see everything. The cellar, you're kind of off in the little room by itself, but it's really cool. And it's like high-end Italian food. Mm. And you get all the bread you can eat. Oh, so, they, they love to do that yeah. in restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> you know why. Yeah, so you can fill up. So now as we're walking around the, what do you call it, a lagoon or waterway, harbor. Mm -hmm. The next land we come to is sort of the signature of the whole park and probably two of the very best attractions in the park are here. And we have talked about this already. Mysterious Island. Now I thought just by its proximity that the exploration Area For was yeah that yeah, was part of it. Looks like it's it. part of it, but it's just but right the on the seeming fa it faces the um, Italian area, so it makes mm -hmm. sense. So anyway, right behind that is where Mysterious Island is, and that's where the Mount Prometheus is located. I'm Captain Nemo. Welcome to Mysterious Island. <laughs>
very seamless transition, though. And in the little, um, there's a little lagoon within Mysterious Harbor, and in that little lagoon is where the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea attraction is located. This is definitely inspired by the Disneyland Submarine Voyage and Walt Disney World uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, but it is not the same attraction. You do not ride in a submarine. There's only one submarine, and it's just more for show. Mm -hmm. And you're supposed to think that you're getting into the submarine because it looks, they kind of make it seem like you're getting into that submarine. But you're actually getting in these little vehicles that go through the, it's yeah, a dark they look ride. look like little submersibles. Like, right. They're and they're small. very steampunk designed. <laughs> yeah, they, they're one family I, vehicles. I barely fit in it. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're tiny. And they're, they're windows all around you. They look like submarine-style portholes. So you can see from all directions. And Brian didn't know this because yeah. he, he was they sort of... Me. He was fooled, and that's the whole point of yeah. it. They give you the impression that you are going under the water, but in actuality, you're not. You're completely in a dry mm -hmm. show building, which, which is underwater. The building is underwater, but you're not... In the water, yep. you're in you're in a building in, under the you're water. You're ruining the magic, man. But the way they make you think that you're underwater is the um, windows are double sided, and between the windows they have water, so the bubbles are actually inside the windows that you're looking through. But all of the uh, the show scenes and whatnot are completely dry. They just use special lighting and projections and things to give you the impression that you're underwater. They did this for several reasons. Not to cut costs, because they weren't concerned about cutting costs in this park in the least, believe me. It was more because of the things they had learned from the original submarine attractions. The maintenance was not just costly, but difficult. Because you had to shut down the whole ride for months and repaint everything. By doing it this way, to fix things, you don't have to shut down the whole ride for five months. Which I believe they're <laughs> doing in the Disneyland submarine ride right now. It's currently closed. Because they, when they do a maintenance, they just have to close the whole... And it, it's a very time... Not just expensive, but time-consuming thing. So this prevents that from needing to be an issue. And uh, it also gives them more options when it comes to the animation of the figures. Because when you're dealing with water, you're limited in what you can do. So this mm -hmm. gives them more options with the animation of the figures and the different scenic elements. And like Brian just said, he really thought he was underwater, so I did. They really do a great job of the theming in this, and it's all set to um, the Disney film Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Mm -hmm. And even in the queue area, you hear some of the Peter Renaday um, uh, dialogue from the original one in Florida, 
and he he's cap he does he's performing as Captain Nemo. But the most important thing of all is this is presented by Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have sponsors over there just like we do here. Yeah. So the next completely, that's very, even though it isn't original, just because it's so different from the original American versions, it is a very original attraction but the next one is 100% original this is the only one in the whole world and there's nothing like it even close to it in any other Disney park and this is the attraction actually located inside Mount Prometheus you actually go underneath it to get in to the attraction right. do you want to talk about this one Brian because I know you love this sure. attraction this, this is uh, so when you first enter the park you 
well, I don't think you run to get fast passes anymore. You can get them all on your phone now. But yeah. this, I would head here while everybody else headed to Toy Story Midway Mania. Right. Which will get to American Waterfront. But I wanted to ride this at least twice every visit. So I'm yeah. get a fast pass and do standby. But this, it's just, it's so hard to describe the, the, the level of detail First of all, when you're in Mysterious Island... Did we name the attraction yet? Journey to Journey the, to the center, center of the Earth. Earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Mysterious Island is just so otherworldly. Like, you, when you're in there, you're just completely immersed in this Jules Verne uh, environment, you know, that yeah. so brilliantly describes in his novels. Uh, so you, you walk in here, and you're kind of walking through, like, a scientist's laboratory. And, but it's and, like a fictional, like, yeah. turn of the century, like, 19th century. And you're in this cave, and it's just so cool. Like, all this exists, like, underground in these yeah. caves. And you walk around, and then to get to the ride vehicle, you actually travel to the center of the Earth. No and kidding. you get in these elevator-type yeah. things. And it reminds me of the elevators that they used to have at... Uh, the um, Living Seas in Epcot before oh, really? it became Finding Nemo. Oh. Yeah, because you went in and you thought you were submerging. Yeah, so in actuality, you're probably only going down a couple of floors in terms of You might distance. not even be going down yeah. at all. It might just but be... But the way that makes you feel like the the way the lights, you know, whiz yeah. by, you know... And the floor the shakes. The, and it sounds like you're passing by each of these stations that are ringing like this bell, Bells. but it sounds like you're sounds passing like a by it. Bell. Like, really, yeah. Like ding, 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 ding. ding. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, the the elevator itself is is shaking and, and, and yeah. it feels like you're really going down a long distance. So once you're at the bottom, In the loading area. Yeah, the loading area. You're you're you see this huge drill, right? That you can actually see from the outside. Uh, when you're walking around the mysterious island, you see the end of it. It's sticking into the mountain, drilling through the mountain. So when you're inside, you kind of—I'm not sure if it's the other end of the drill, but it's kind of the same apparatus. Yeah. And it's drilling tunnels for you know the mission of, of exploring the center of the Earth. And so you, once the tunnels have been dug, uh, these these vehicles that are shaped kind of like they're very sleek. Huh. Steampunk. Steampunk, yeah. And and uh, they look like, like they have clouds. Like clouds, yeah, on the front. Yeah. Probably, you know, just to, to remove debris as you're right. going along the, the tunnel track. So you you get in uh, these vehicles. And if you're tall, like me, make sure you get the front row. I always okay. ask for the front row on these things. And so it's kind of, it's it starts off as a pretty leisurely ride through different you scenes. You see all sorts and, of stalactites and stalagmites and shining gems and yeah. weird rock formations. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you start seeing like bizarre looking kind of, you know, lobster-like. Yeah, kind of lobster-looking with claws, yeah, like, you it's know, really crabs and creepy things. and wonderful at the same time. Yeah, and the all music sorts of colors so cool. and things. Right. And then there's this uh, underground lightning storm mm -hmm. that you experience, and and that at that point you know things are starting to get like, a little tense. Like yeah, 
something's gonna happen, right? You know something's you see coming. There's there's lava like underground volcanoes and yeah, and then all of a sudden you encounter Mr. Lava Monster audio animatronic, Giant which is just dragon amazing monster creature, completely unique and with multiple arms and yeah. Really green, creepy. Green, green eyes and lava breath and kind of orange colored with spikes all over him. So once you run into this guy. He growls and tries to grab yeah, you. Yeah, he, he grabbed, he's grabbed a kid before, I think. <laughs> <laughs> once you see this that, guy, it's time to get out. And so all of a sudden you're just like it turns accelerated into a, and whisked yeah. away and this like ascending spiral track it feels like it kind of like car the car ride in uh disney dca the what's it called radiator, radiator springs, springs racers I yeah think you it's get the this... same ride system mm -hmm. and so you're kind of accelerating up this ramp in a spiral motion and then you actually get shot out of the volcano and you yeah. go outside and you get some outside and you views. get some awesome views especially yeah. at night i mean mm -hmm. mysterious island at night it's, mm -hmm. i can't even put it into words it's just it's amazing so it, uh, it kind of ends as a thrill ride yeah kind of like the um the world of motion in epcot because it starts out slow mm -hmm. and then the last part of it is a thrill ride yeah it's classic. It's a classic Disney attraction. It's just like right. so many details, some thrills. And I think this was designed around the same time as the GE World of Motion ride. So it's probably the same ride system.
So once you're outside, uh, if you're hungry, there's a Volcania restaurant, which I've eaten at before, and it's it's really good. It's a good. cafeteria style. Yeah, I mean, it's China, It's pretty basic Chinese food, dim sum, but it's so good. <laughs> and you're, it's like you're eating inside this cave, and all yeah. of the the um, the things on the wall, the trash cans, the trays, they all have this, like, aqua, kind of like that dark green, like... Uh, yeah. Like, like, like the, bronze when it when it oxidizes. The Statue right? of Liberty color. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. Oh, and the best thing to do um, before the attractions, any of the other stuff to look at, is there is a snack stand that sells gyoza dogs. It's like a, a gyoza sausage. bunch. Yeah. With a sausage and the line for this is long but you just gotta wait for it, and you gotta eat this gyoza dog because it's like super good. So the Nautilus galley is kind of like you'd think it was something else, but it's just sort of a counter service type place. Mm-hmm. But um, the original Discovery Bay was gonna have an underwater restaurant inside the Nautilus, where while you're eating, you'd see fish and things swimming around from the windows all around you. That didn't happen, unfortunately. Mm. But I mean, this really does remind me of a lot of Tony Baxter's Discovery Bay ideas. And he did design this part of the park for sure. So that is our look at Mysterious Island. Now the next place we're gonna encounter as we're walking around the park is sort of more for the children. But it's definitely in the spirit of a place where kids and parents can have fun together. Definitely. Because the theming is just outrageous and something that everyone can appreciate. And that would be the um, Mermaid Lagoon. Under every wave If I jumped into the water 
Now this is located inside of what kind of looks like Triton's castle. Yeah, it's exactly right. From the Little Mermaid. And you actually walk into this big indoor show building and everything in this area is indoors. And uh, it gives you the feeling like just through theming that you're underwater when you're inside this building. But you're not. You're just in a big show area that's all themed to give you the feeling or idea that you're in a stylized underwater. kind of like the um, under the sea scene from the Little Mermaid film. And you enter from the second level and then you sort of go down. It reminds me of the land pavilion at Epcot. How you sort of enter on the second level, and then there's a huge area yeah. down on yeah. the first floor. Except there's there's no stairs to get down. There's, there's like no stairs. It's a ramp that just yeah. sort of leads and you down. And it feels like you're gradually going underwater. It's right. It's so cool. The lighting in there. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how they they make it feel, make you feel like you're under the sea. So they, they've got several sort of off-the-shelf carnival spinner-type rides. Mm -hmm that are re-themed to definitely a mermaid or under-the-sea Little Mermaid theme. Yeah. You know, like the teacups or Dumbo, but only themed to, to the Little Mermaid, but all inside. So you've got Flounder's Flying Fish Coaster, which is a kiddie coaster, indoor. Yeah, really cool. Scuttle Scooters, which are... I guess yeah, are they kind of like, like bumper. Do you, you remember the, uh, the in Bugs Land? The little, yeah, the little the lady little lady bugs. Bug. So yeah. they're sort of like oh really God. tame bumper. They're cars. very similar. Yeah. To uh, DCA, which is funny because both parks open the same year. Yeah, Jumping Jellyfish <laughs> is kind of like a jellyfish with the spinning arms, but these are very tame. Yeah. They're they're. Good for so that's kids. That's kind of like the octopus ride. It's kind of like the octopus type ride, yeah. but it's not a for thrill. Kids. It's for kids. It's semi-thrilling, but not enough for a kid wouldn't want to go on it. Blowfish balloon race is almost the same thing as the um, in and out spinner. It's like Flix Flyers. It used to be Flix Flyers, <laughs> and now yeah. it's been rethemed and moved. Oh, the inside out one. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And uh, the Whirlpool, I think, is very similar to the teacups. Yep. Now, they also have, like, a playground area with climbing and different things for kids with, you know, the little rope bridges and things. Really cute. And then the main attraction is a theater where they have an indoor li live show with puppets and animatronics and... I guess they have a huge um, Ursula figure that is part of the show. And I think this is sort of a more elaborately staged version of the Little Mermaid show in Disney MGM Studios. I've never been on it. I've never seen it, but my wife and daughter have. And they, yeah. there's, some, there's some special effects in there that will just like yeah, right. knock your socks off. I know that... Um, aerial swimming above you. Yes, and, and I know the animatronic of Ursula was designed by Bob Burr, because I've heard him talk about it. Okay.
Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Wouldn't you think I'm the girl, the girl who has everything? I've got gadgets and gizmos aplenty. I've got who's it's and what's it's galore. You want thingamabobs? I got 20. But who cares? No big deal. I want more. I want to be where the people are. I want to see, want to see them dancing, walking around on those, what do you call them? Oh, feet. <laughs> Flipping your fins, you don't get too far. Legs are required for jumping, dancing, strolling along down a... What's that word again? Street. Up where they walk, up where they run, up where they stay all day in the sun. Wandering free, wish I could be part of that Going up there, but that is a big mistake. Just look at the world around you, right here on the ocean floor. Such wonderful things around you. What more is you looking for? Under the sea, under the sea. Darling, it's better now where it's weather. Take it from me. Up on the shore, they work all day. Up in the sun, they slave away. What we do?
Now play the harp, the place, play the bass And they sound in short, the best play the dress The job play the dub, the fluke is the duke of soul The red he can play the leaves on the streets The drop rocking on the blackfish He sings the smell and the spat You know where it's at, and all that blowfish because this came along several years later is the Little Mermaid Dark Ride. You would think this would be here. It would be the perfect fit for this, but there is no Little Mermaid Dark Ride. Maybe in the future they'll add one. I don't know if they had enough space to add it, but uh, it would definitely be yeah, perfect for this. And then they have character greetings. All the characters from Little Mermaid are in there to take photos. Of course, the character greeting lines are as long as the um, snack <laughs> bar. Well, the funny the, thing about the Tokyo Disney Resort is they don't really have lines. They just, when the characters show up, they the, just kind of like... The lines happen. The lines happen. and yeah. It's funny because... Um, you know, not everybody's going to be able to interact with the character, but I think part of the joy in see is just seeing the character. Yeah. And it's it's funny because I saw this a lot. Like, the Japanese that got to see it, they were very considerate of the time. They they also weren't disappointed when they didn't actually get like some face-to-face time with the character, but just the yeah. act of seeing it. That's kind of my feeling. I don't need yeah. to get up and touch the. I just like to see but them. They always there. do. Like later on that day, they would get an opportunity yeah. because just character interactions happen spontaneously. Yeah, just like Disneyland back in the day. So there are a ton of shops in in this area, and just sort of like. There's the main area in the middle where all the attractions are, and then sort of surrounding it all on the sides are different little, kind of set up like a food court, but they're all little rest, little shops. Mm -hmm. And they're all heavily themed, so you feel like you're under the sea. I know one of them, you enter a whale's mouth to get in, yeah. and the inside looks like you're inside a whale. And you can <laughs> really kind of see creepy. the rib cage. <laughs> yeah, kind of reminds and, me and of everything the, in this shop the storybook is like land. Little Mermaid specific merchandise. Right. You, you're not going to find items here that yeah. you would find in Mediterranean Harbor. Right. Every, like, all the merchandise is very yeah. well themed and, and 
in Tokyo's parks. So the names of, you want to read the names of all these different shops and if you have any thoughts? Uh, I have, I've been into a couple of these, but Kiss, Kiss the Girl Fashions, Grotto Photos and Gifts, Sea Turtle Souvenirs, The Sleepy Whale Shop, which I That's the one. Yeah. That's where we, we bought a couple things in there. Um, that that's probably the, the, the biggest one and the one that's I think most Mermaid valuable. Treasures looks like Ariel's Grotto yep, from the movie. It is, yeah. And Mermaid Memories. <laughs> and there's Mermaid one, Memories. Yeah. Mermaid Memories. Making memories. <laughs> <laughs> there's one restaurant here. Yes. Which I've never eaten in, but Sebastian's Calypso Kitchen. Now I was fun. saying it to Brian earlier, before we hit record that they should have made this into a Jamaican restaurant. It would have been perfect, but I guess it's... Uh, maybe Japanese people aren't big fans of Jamaican cuisine. Or, yeah. you know, maybe this... Because this is more of a kid's yeah, area. So I guess it kind of makes sense to have, like, pizza... So this is just sort of, like, fast food. Yeah. To the extent that it would be fast food in Japan. Yeah. It's not a buffeteria. It's more... Yeah counter right but it's a it's a step above from a mcdonald's it's not like burgers and fries but still so the next area is sort of in the back behind um mermaid lagoon and that is the um, arabian coast which is sort of the um, aladdin type theming area mm -hmm. And their little description here is experience the world of the Arabian Nights filled with magic and mystery. Yeah. 
So this has a lot of Arabian architecture with the fancy tile work. It's sort of a conglomeration of the Morocco Pavilion at Epcot, the Adventureland main area at uh, Disneyland Paris, and um, steroid. All of that on steroids, because <laughs> this is a much more elaborate and fanciful version of those, if you can yeah. imagine. Yeah. Bigger, more elaborate. Right. And there are a few attractions, probably just from being an armchair viewer, my favorite is, is this. It might be different if I'd been there, but from watching videos online, this is my favorite, is in this land. We'll get to that. Okay. And, uh, but there's a couple outdoor attractions which are of note that we should bring up. One of them is called the Caravan Carousel, which is unique in Disney carousels because I believe this is the only double-decker Disney carousel. Yeah. And See? I believe this was built for the park. It wasn't, you know, yeah, taken right. from another park and restored. And it's the only carousel where you can ride on Genie. It's all Aladdin <laughs> characters. Yeah, it's really fun. Right? And they play carousel music, but it's all the songs from Aladdin with played in a carousel it's the, calliope it, style. It seems like it's the oddest place for a carousel, but it, it works. It it's seemed, so cool. and the structure it's in has a very Arabian theme yeah, to those it. High arching. Yeah, like the moments. onion dome. Yeah, exactly. another spot is the um, Aladdin's flying carpets but this one I say Aladdin so you're familiar but this is actually themed to Jasmine this mm -hmm. is Jasmine's flying carpets 
And it's the exact same thing that you'd find in uh, Adventureland at the Magic Kingdom. But you know why this one's superior? Because it's, it's not set in the middle of a busy area. It's and it's better themed yeah. to where it is. The it's theming gorgeous, is perfect. Actually. It's yeah. really this like really white marbly yeah. kind of design. And then these murals from the film are... This was the first of them. All around. And I think the others were just sort of cheap yeah. knockoffs of this but it, it's 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 a classic spinner ride yeah but with the tokyo disney sea details which yes. make it like it makes you want to get on it yeah <laughs> it. it's, it's really it's well done better than now they also have an indoor theater where they do live shows usually themed around aladdin or the genie it's called the magic lamp theater another thing is the people in tokyo love live shows so there's a lot of theaters that are just there for a live show that they just set aside for a space for live entertainment mm -hmm. the, this one's kind of semi-live but the genie and it's all on it's it's a circular theater and the genie's kind of like on screens it's kind of you. the same thing with the little mermaid show because that's yeah. semi-live too a lot of the right. elements are on out it you know animatronic
So there's shops that are themed. Um, I'm going to get to the attraction I mentioned last. Cause we'll save the best yeah, for last. Save the best. Agrabah Marketplace and Abu's Bazaar. Obviously, they sell Arabian-themed souvenirs. And then there's three restaurants. The Kasbah Food Court has yes. some of the best curry I've ever had. And it's a food court, so there's different different windows with different options. Yep. It's really cool. Like that, if you had to pick one uh, counter service place other than Volcania yeah. to eat at, yeah, I would pick it. the Kasbah Food Court because it's the theming. Yeah. But just really quick, the Arabian coast, this whole land is just. It's so beautiful, and there's so many little narrow. It's like New Orleans Square. It's got all the Arabian nooks and crannies. Yeah, yeah, it's the nooks and cranny land and alleyways. All like just picture yourself walking through the scene in Aladdin where you know, he's trying to steal food and stuff. Yeah, the <laughs> and all those little ahead. market marketplaces, you know, yes. outside the buildings. It's like that. And it's just. And I don't recommend stealing, but they won't cut off your hand. Yeah, you yeah, you, you might get kicked out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to worry about losing yeah. limbs. The theming doesn't go that far. Now, there's a snack <laughs> they sell at one of these that we'll talk about I after. love the name of the snack place. Yeah. Open, Open Sesame. Sesame. <laughs> so, do you remember the Popeye short that was in, oh my gosh, was in the Radiant? And he says, Open says me. Yeah, <laughs> I can still I can see how the, the, the wall opens up. Yeah, so there's a snack they sell at Sultan's Oasis, but to to know and understand and that's how more awesome of an ice this, cream yeah. place. But to know how awesome the snack is, we need to talk about the attraction first. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we'll go to back. We'll we'll just briefly mention it. But here we go. This is this is my favorite yeah. from being a video observer, and it's my absolute. Number Second. one favorite attraction. This, well, it's, I guess it's a Taiwan journey to the center of the earth. Yeah, because that's what I thought we would But this is my absolute favorite and on so, this on so many levels. So. so this is called Sinbad's Storybook Voyage, and it's a completely original thing. It's not based on any Disney IP, but it seems like it is, just in the way it the attraction it definitely feels like it should be based on it they should make a movie of this but it's actually based on the old fables of sinbad you know the voyages of sinbad the seven voyages of sinbad and all that in fact they think this originally was called the seven voyages of sinbad they redid this attraction several years ago to make it more family friendly, there were some kind of scary elements that they toned down. Some scary monkeys and no it, cuteness at all. Yeah, so <laughs> they 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 you know they made it more family friendly. And this is a boat ride very similar to Pirates of the Caribbean, same type of vehicle, same loading type of thing. It's kind of like if Pirates and It's a Small World had a baby, this would be the attraction. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it's all themed to like an Arabian fable and it's the story of Sinbad and it's got, you know, the characters are all stylized and look kind of like puppets and they're, you know, they're very cute looking with big eyes. They don't look like real people. They look like kind of animated cartoon people. It's no screens. It's all 100% 3D fully realized 
figures and scenery and you just go from room to room just like pirates and each room is more impressive than the one before it's just a com you think you've seen it all and then you come to the next room and you're even more impressed yeah. and it's yeah. got giants and flying birds with talons that grab the bad guys, the bad guys and, yeah. and singing monkeys and uh what else am i missing well you're missing sinbad's sidekick the absolute oh, cutest the thing tiger of the Yeah, a little tiger cub called Chandu. And did I mention there's a big giant? Yeah. That plays a violin with an earring. He looks yeah. kind of like a genie. And uh, just tons of animatronic figures. Because they're newer than the ones in Disneyland, the movement, the quality of the, the mechanics is just so impressive because the technology has improved since 1967. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's just complete, like, it's, it's a jaw-dropping, impressive experience. The music is beautiful, all original. There's a theme song involved that Sinbad sings. Yeah. It's, it's all kind of stylized to look like the Arabian Nights. So it's almost like you're entering into a storybook when you experience it. It's, it's, I, that's a good way to describe it. It's a yeah. kind of a mix between Pirates of the Caribbean and It's a Small World. Yeah, storybook's a good title because really each room is a different, it's like you flip the page and yeah, there's a giant and, whale and so the couple things I'll say, because this is my, my favorite, mm -hmm. uh, is there's there's a few reasons why this is my favorite. One is like the little tiger cub, Chandu, who's so cute and he's just kind of like, he's involved in each story, but he's kind of like uh, being his little cute tiger guy. <laughs> just he's kinda, Sinbad's little sidekick yeah. friend. You know, he's he's getting into piles of bananas, he's yeah. jumping on drums and he he's making out. fun of the bad guys and yeah. He's just really cute. But the, I just love the song. The song is called Compass of Your Heart. It's an original composition by Alan Menken. And it is just such a rousing, just full of emotion kind of piece of music that goes perfectly with the voyage and it's sung in Japanese, yeah. but you don't have to know Japanese no. to appreciate right. the song. So the
なの新しい冒険が始まるだけどいいかいいつでも心のコンパスを信じるんだ words you know the title compass of your heart it really just kind of to me when i hear that this song it just takes me back to like my first trip and all the emotions and feelings i had because really that's what this park is all about you know following the compass of your heart like when you're like the first time i walked into this park i was so overwhelmed with like how beautiful it was i i actually had to sit down on a bench because i was just like Just, I couldn't believe, you know, that I was there for one, and then just、yeah. to see how beautiful everything was. And then I rode this attraction and that song, Compass of Your Heart, and how the, the orchestra and the voices swell at the end. It's just, I get pretty emotional when I still hear it because、yeah. it brings back all these. I got emotional、memories. just watching the video the first few times、yeah. I saw it. Th- this is just, this experience, this attraction. And the song just really encapsulates like, all the feelings I have for, for visiting this park. So, Back to Chandu. Yeah, so, the snack. Talk about、right? your... So, you can, get, <laughs> you can get a Chandu tail snack oh, yeah, you said in, in this park at that Sultan's Oasis. It's、so、like the Tigger Tails in、yeah. California. So, the packaging has like a Chandu face on it, but when、mm-hmm. you turn it over, it's his tail in the package. And it's,、uh, it's、oh, like a warm. Bun filled with cream chicken. Oh, which, that's different than this. Which sounds like cream chicken bun, you know? But imagine, like, you're、that's、eating. That's not the, like the ticker tails, because that's a candy. Is it a candy?、That's、yeah. Like、so this is, this is like a savory snack. Yeah.、Um, I would kind of. Like, you're eating the, the middle of a chicken pot pie inside of a bun. Hmm. It's really good. That does sound good. It's really good. And there's this purpley drink they serve. At the same stand, that's、uh, I can't remember what's in it, but it's yummy. <laughs> snacks the snacks at Tokyo Disney Sea are crazy. You could、yeah. probably just you don't need, ever need to sit down and eat at a restaurant or a counter service place, you can just eat snacks all day. Well, we run out of time for this episode, so we'll be back in just a few weeks to continue our tour of Tokyo Disney Sea. So, be sure to come back in early December and we will talk about all the other amazing attractions in this, the most fantastic Disney park in the world. Brian, where can everybody find Jiminy Crickets on the web? Well, you can listen to all of our past shows, including audio versions of Dateline Jimmy Crickets, on our website, jcricketspodcast.blogspot.com. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts under the name Jimmy Crickets, that's with an exclamation point. And please, please leave us a five star review, which helps us promote the podcast. On our YouTube channel, we share updates to the Disney Chris website, including the Disneyland Magical Audio Tour, as well as past episodes of the Jiminy Crickets podcast. 
and Dateline Jimmy Crickets. You can find our channel if you search for DisneyChris.com. Remember, .com is spelled out D-O-T-C-O-M, and don't forget to subscribe and click on the notification bell. If you'd like to contact the show with your questions and comments, send us an email to DisneyChris.com at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And over on our social media, you can become a member of our Facebook group, Jiminy Crickets Podcast, where you can interact with Chris, Ruthie, and me, and your fellow cricketeers, and stay up to date on the latest details of our mini worldwide web endeavors. You can also visit us over on Instagram. Our official Instagram account is at DisneyChris underscore JC underscore podcast. Brian's Instagram is Keeping Walt in Disney, all one word. Both on his account and on ours, you can view and comment on hundreds of colorful vintage Disney images and more fun Disney things to see are added almost every day. This is also a great place to get updates on our podcast and the Disney Chris website. So be sure to follow us on Instagram today. You can find me on Twitter at DisneyChris73 and on Facebook under the name Chris Linden. That's L-Y-N-D-O-N as in Lyndon Johnson. Brian can be found under the name Brian Crawford and Ruthie can be found under the name Ruthie Brown. My website is DisneyChris.com, home to the Disney Song of the Day and the Disneyland Magical Audio Tour, where you'll find over 2,700 audio tracks from the happiest place on earth. We would also like to give special thanks to those of you who help us spread our magic with their generous support. You can help support Dateline Jiminy Crickets the Jiminy Crickets podcast, and the Disney Chris website by becoming a Patreon subscriber. By joining our illustrious roster of supporters, you will receive exclusive rewards every month, including audio content, Disney video commentaries, and an exclusive Patreon subscribers-only podcast. Additionally, your name will be featured on screen during the closing credits of each Dateline Jiminy Crickets podcast. Be sure to check out our new donation levels and special rewards at patreon.com slash You can also make a one-time or recurring donation via PayPal. Recurring PayPal donators qualify for the same rewards as our Patreon subscribers. You will find links to all these donation options at disneychris.com slash donate. And Brian, do you have any final words for today? Well, I just uh, appreciate uh, being able to do this with you in person. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, just if you have the chance to get to Disney Sea, go and, and, like, always close my shows. Do your best out there. Play the glad game. And as Reverend Ford and Pollyanna preaches, we look for the good in them and we found it. And always let your conscience be your guide. And your heart is in your dream. Oh, request is true.